The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Just a few months ago, nobody really knew what social distancing was, and Zoom was still something that toddlers would say when they would play with their cars and trucks, and they would say, zoom, zoom, zoom. (laughs) Just a couple of months ago, we had no idea what coronavirus was, and we really didn't understand what flattening the curve was, but, but now things have changed, and the English language has changed. Now, Zooming has really nothing to do with cars and trucks, and it's become a verb, right? Right on the same level as Googling things, you see? There's one other phrase that was introduced into the English language that has become very common and part of our vernacular, and it's this. Pandemic guilt. Have you heard it? If you haven't, just Google it. It's a real thing, but you probably don't need to Google it because you felt it. Let me tell you a little bit about pandemic guilt. Pandemic guilt runs both both wide and deep. It, It runs wide in this sense that it is varied and multicolored, you might see. You might say there's the parental version of it, There's also the spousal version of it and the privileged version of it. You know, the privileged people who were able to just pack up and leave the city when the city needed them the most. Pandemic guilt is wide, but it is also deep. I ran across a video with this title. It said... A son grapples with guilt. Did he give his father the coronavirus? Maybe you watched that video too. It was viral, if we can use that term for a little bit. It's a video, and I stopped to watch it, about about Gianni and Antonio. Gianni the son and Antonio the father. Gianni worked for a bike-sharing service in Italy, And he worked and worked and worked until he couldn't anymore because his body just collapsed. He had been infected with the coronavirus. The family called emergency services. And that day, not just one person was carried away in the ambulance, but two, Gianni and his father Antonio. Antonio later passed away in the hospital. Gianni survived. Fifteen days later, he walked back into his apartment that he shared with his father, Antonio, and he walked straight into his father's room, and there was this guilty question hanging in the air as he walked in. You can listen to Gianni talk about it. Wondered, did I make my dad sick? And he talked about his guilt. 
pandemic guilt runs both wide and deep. And as I thought about this, because we're bringing a word to our our world today, a world filled with crisis and a world filled with, with pandemic guilt, I thought about all kinds of, of Bible verses that would address pandemic guilt, but the one that that came forward for me is one that's been burned into my heart for a long time. Is from Zechariah chapter 3. Because here, the Lord gives us a new perspective on guilt. And He says this to us. The Spirit says this to us today. Really important. He says, rebuke pandemic guilt for three reasons. One, because of its satanic source. Two, because of its paralyzing power, and three, because of its lack of standing. Listen to these verses that we have from Zechariah chapter 3. And, and please, um, if you have your Bibles, open those up, and I'd like to read verses 1 and 2 for you now. Here's what the Spirit gives to us to address pandemic guilt. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and that's Jesus. And Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? This is the word of the Lord. I need you to see this with me. Joshua, who who represented as high priest the people of God. And he is there standing before Jesus, the angel of the Lord. And right here, next to Joshua, is the enemy the great Satan, the accuser. And Satan is there doing what he does best. He's actually preaching a sermon. And he's saying to Jesus, the angel of the Lord, this man, Joshua, is a failure. He is full of exilic guilt. Jesus, you you told him. You said, go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the altar and the temple. But look, the altar still being rained on 17 years later. This man, Joshua, this man whom you supposedly have chosen, he has failed you, and you need to set him aside. There's Joshua. Do you see it? Standing before the Lord Jesus with the enemy accusing him. The source of guilt is absolutely satanic. And we got to know that today. Guilt's true source is Satan preaching a sermon before the Lord Jesus, trying to push guilt deep into your heart. Have you had the thoughts, 
the whispers into your right ear like parents. Satan saying to you, the Lord Jesus has given you precious children. And He has loved them dearly all the way to the cross. And what did you do during the pandemic? You shoved iPads in front of them. And you dismissed them while you worked saying, I need to write this email. Will you leave me alone? You thought at the beginning of this pandemic, employees, that, that you would be such good employees, but now you can barely get out of bed before 8 a.m. And sometimes you don't even take a shower. You hear Satan preaching, pushing that guilt down into your heart. He says, you know, some of you got coronavirus. And you didn't take the proper precautions. And how many people did you get sick? And who will ever know besides the Lord Jesus Himself who you got sick and maybe even caused permanent damage to somebody's lungs? Pandemic guilt is both wide and deep and its true source is the enemy preaching right into your right ear in the presence of Jesus. Now, we shouldn't stop there. <laughs> because not only do we need to recognize the true source of pandemic guilt, we also have to recognize and see in our lives its true power. Here's the thing about Joshua. Joshua was absolutely Frozen. He was in a spiritual, vegetative state. In fact, he was just happy to kind of stand there and receive the accusations of, of Satan himself in the presence of Jesus for the next 17 years. Because that's what guilt can sometimes do. It can freeze us in our tracks. It can make us fall into despair. I'm absolutely full of sin, so what can I do? It's almost like, like guilt is like one of those powerful spider bites that can paralyze you. Or like a snake bite that the snake can just bite you and kind of just leave you to eat for later because you're just stuck there. You know, I, 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 saw, I saw a very interesting video and I laughed about it and I showed it to Amanda. A comic showed the before and after of what happens to people during a pandemic. And it was, it was really, really funny. He, at, the, at the beginning of the pa pandemic, he showed in his video that he was doing pull-ups and push-ups at home. And then he showed himself at the end and he was sitting on his couch eating potato chips. At the beginning of the pandemic, he thought, I'm going to have all this quality time with my kids. Boy, I can't wait. But then at the end, everybody's staring at a TV like absolute zombies. At the beginning of the pandemic, he had all of these plans. It's like, wow, I'm, I'm stuck at home, so I'm going to clean my house. I'm going to do all those projects that I always wanted to do. I'll clean my closet. But at the end, you know what happened? The whole entire house was a complete disaster. Because what happens is day after day after day, we fail. And at a certain point, we fall into despair. We become overwhelmed. And we give up. We just 
eat potato chips on the couch. See, that's the power of guilt. It can paralyze us and put us in an absolute vegetative state. Now, this is where this, this lesson that we have in front of us becomes so powerful because if, if, if Joshua would have had his way, he would have just stood there, right? He would have just stood there receiving this preaching of Satan into his heart and keeping him right there frozen in time. But it really wasn't up to Joshua, and it wasn't up to Satan either. It was up to Jesus. And what Jesus does here is, is completely out of character. You understand that about Jesus? I mean, Jesus, normal men, uh, normally, there I go, speaking Spanish. Jesus, nor, normally, is patient and slow to anger. I mean, we, we have a whole Old Testament creed that says that the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in love, but He's not here. Here, He's quick to anger. Here, He's not abounding in love. In fact, He sets love aside for a second all for the sake of Joshua. Here the Lord gets angry and irate. And you can hear him say this. He says this to Satan. He says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this man, is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? I mean, you can almost sense the emotion here. Whenever something is said in the Bible two times, there's intense emotion. And we heard it in our gospel lesson. We, we, we saw some people arrive at the end of their lives, and they thought they were going to be with Jesus for forever, and they found out that they wouldn't be. And they said, Lord, Lord. You can sense the emotion. Or when David's son Absalom died, two times he said, Absalom, Absalom, because the emotion was so intense. And here, Jesus' anger is so intense. He is so impatient with the accusations of Satan that he says, not once, but twice, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Because Jesus has no time to listen to the accusations of Satan. Now, I want to be clear about this. Absolutely clear. When Satan accuses us, he's not wrong. Not completely, anyway. He's not completely wrong. And that's why it's so easy for us to resonate and to get stuck in the accusations of Satan. Because we haven't lived how we want to live for God. And i got to tell you this. I should have said this at the beginning of the sermon. I'm not here to do therapy with you. I'm not here to, to sort through what is false guilt and real guilt. As, as helpful as that may be. Because for Christians, we can address false guilt and real guilt in the same way. 
We need to know that Jesus takes it away. You see, even Jesus admits as He rebukes Satan that Joshua wasn't completely not guilty. Did you see what He says about Joshua? He says this, Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? And isn't that us too? That yes, we're guilty, and yet God has taken us off of the deserved fire, and He saved us. You see, what Jesus does with pandemic guilt is first He rebukes it, and then He says to us, I have a plan to take it away. And He said in His heart, I will pay for the guilt of the world. And I will take it all the way to the cross. And I will die for it. I will remove guilt from them as far as the east is from the west. And who then can can condemn my holy people? In fact, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See what Jesus has done with pandemic guilt? First, he drives Satan away and does an exorcism of Satan off our right ears, and then he covers it and takes it away forever and ever and ever. I suppose that you know then what this means. I hope you do. Do you know what it means? It means that what you need to do when Satan accuses you with pandemic or parental guilt or whatever kind of guilt that you is, you need to turn to your right and say to Satan, the Lord rebuke you because yes, I'm guilty. Yes, I have not been perfect. Yes, these accusations could stick but my Lord Jesus took my place and in Him there is no more guilt for me. And then say to Satan, as you turn your right this, and I'm going to shock you, tell Satan, go to hell. That's where you belong. Tell him in Jesus' name, Satan, you don't belong here go to hell. And that makes Monday morning different. I want you to understand that. Like after today, that makes tomorrow different. It means, in every sense of the word, to go back to doing push-ups and pull-ups instead of eating potato chips in every aspect of your life. Amen.